0: All right, this episode of the Damn Podcast is brought to you by Scott Santana of Farmers Insurance in Kaiser, Oregon. If you have any insurance questions, get a hold of Scott Santana. He is our number one go to in Kaiser. You can find him at 503 393 6771. Scott Santana Insurance in Kaiser, Oregon. All right, welcome into the Damn Podcast, Oregon State exclusive, as they're coming off of a loss. Against Washington State, it wasn't pretty, but uh, Angie, at this point in the season, I, I don't even know what to think about the team anymore.
1: No, because you know after that Stanford, that first half of Stanford, we were actually pretty, I think, I think most people were pretty impressed by what they saw. And now it's, it's like they've regressed. So um, the, the positive, I like to try to be positive. A couple takeaways I had was the fact that they did not give up. Second half was a lot better. And uh, the emergence of Victor Bolden once again. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kind of struggled this whole first half of the season. And to see him have a really, really strong game, I, I was proud of him.
0: By the way, I, I guess I should have said this, but I've I just been so caught up in the, the emotion or uh, disappointment in Oregon State lately that I forgot. Brandon Sprague, 1080 The Fan, Angie Machado, com. as usual. You know, I-, I think those are good points. Like, being positive about the second-half performance, uh, Victor Bolden, and I know you like to be optimistic. Some people would say what I'm saying is pessimistic. But sometimes I can't help but think, like, how much of that was Washington State and what they did? And We don't want to get too much into that game just because, I mean, do you really want us to break down a loss to Washington State and, and, and what the final score was? Would you rather move on? And we got a lot of things to get to today. But I, I just think at Oregon State at this point, what I'm looking for from the Beavers, because you got five games left. Who are who are your guys going forward? Like who in this program with this coaching staff are gonna be your guys the next couple of years? I think you kind of find that out this year.
1: I, I think that, you know, and people on Beaver Blitz have talked about that too. Is this kind of a, a dress rehearsal audition year for some of these guys? I mean, there's what, fifty-two freshmen and redshirt freshmen on the roster right now. Is, is this being used this year? You know, obviously the coaches want to win. They're they're very, very competitive, but is this their chance to really kind of see who has, you know, we've heard Gary Anderson talk, to, talk about it. It's kind of that, you know, are you ready to play big boy football or do you need to get out of the way?
0: Mm-hmm. What do you think about the, the idea about the cupboard being bare? And I'll admit, I, I stole this kind of idea off of Twitter because I'd seen this. But uh, Ken Go of the Oregonian, who is is never shy of speaking his opinion, which is great. He was one of those, be careful what you wish for, it can't get better than Mike Riley type guys. And he had plenty of articles out there. Mike Leach was an example for him of big name coaches and always going to hit it off at a small time program. Um, but the idea that there wasn't that much talent, Riley leaving, and that two wins is no big deal. It's Gary Anderson building the program up. What do you make of those those, those kind of notions that some fans have?
1: I, you know, I, I tend to, to agree with that, and I, I know it won't be popular, but, um, you know, I, I said it on the podcast before. I don't think Riley and his staff did a good job recruiting and taking advantage of those Rose Bowl run years. So whether it was thinking that they could develop talent, there was there – was, to, to sum it up quickly, there was too many ch- uh, ch- flyers taken on guys that were projects, And you're going to have a project. Every school has projects. You're going to have some guys that you're going to take a flyer on to, you know, see if they can develop and be as good as you think they can be. Mm -hmm. But there were there are too many projects on this roster that have, you know, a lot of them have washed out already, but they don't fit what Gary Anderson wants to do. He wants big, physical, fast players that, you know, can run a spread offense. So, you know, and then, and then do a, a, and run a three, four defense. So, totally different personnel and the fact that they need better talent.
0: You know, I think that's a part of it too, that, that I kind of lose sight of is when you look at what they had coming back and some people might disagree. They might think that, you know, Hey, Oregon state had, had some pieces and they should be playing a little better than they are. Or some people agree with the notion that cupboard was bare. And I, I just, I don't know. And this is the tough part of almost not being the former player I don't know what a transition period normally looks like for programs that switch philosophies. And that's completely what they've done. Like Defensively and offensively, they are nowhere near the identity that Mike Riley and the former staff had of them, a pro style. No, it's spread and read option. Defensively, uh, it was a base 4-3, and that's usually all we saw, but now you get a 3-4 mix mixed with, you know, whatever else, insert whatever else type formations that uh, Kalani Satake inserts. And so that's the tough part is deciphering is this Cupboard Bear and this coaching staff doing a good job, or are they actually kind of being a little under-impressive and they should be playing better? I think that's the tough part is identifying just how hard is it really for kids to transition to these systems that are pretty different than what they're used to.
1: Well, if, if Beaver fans out there want to know what I had this team basically on paper if Coach Riley was still here, I had this pegged as a two-win team. Really? So you can take that for what it's
0: worth. Okay, now let's oh let's think about it for a second, because this is what we like to do on this podcast. We like to we we like to jokingly call each other out, but we also like to have good conversations. You thought this was a six win team. Right. I did. So what are you seeing now? Because it's a two win team, potentially maybe a three three win team, or maybe they're gonna be a two win team the rest of the year. What is not living up to what you thought they would be like you went from when from what you thought was going to be a six win team to what is now a two win team what has not panned out the way you thought it would
1: first of all defense and I think uh, you'd probably agree with me on that one is the defense has not been as stout as I thought because you know even under some of the worst years that we've seen over the past 10 years the defense has typically played decent you know they've they've given up some big plays but but not this you know giving up Six touchdowns in the first half, kind of, kind of performance—a total meltdown—and um, and then again against Arizona, Kalani Stocky said, you know, it can't get much worse. So, um, complete—I mean, they look like they—they they have no idea where they're supposed to be. So, mm-hmm. that's been a disappointment the past couple games, and then offensively, just the lack of um, con, um, consistency. There's mm-hmm. been no consistency whatsoever. And I, you know, I granted, either way, Oregon State was breaking in a new quarterback this year. But I, I really did think that they would be able to sustain some drives better than they've done this year.
0: Now, the coaching aspect, I, I, I think that's like the most important thing to hit now. Because this is a program, say what you want about Riley. They haven't won two games since Jerry Pettibone was head coach in 1996. Pettibone! So, those are
1: my days. That's, those are my people.
0: <laughs> I don't know if I'd brag about that one. There. <laughs> <laughs> those weren't exactly great times for Oregon they State. Weren't. But I mean, you're looking at the realistic possibility that if they lose to Colorado. I mean, you can't point to me another win the rest yeah, of the you year. You can't find another win. And, and that's the tough part is you're looking at a two-win season. So, as high as we are on Gary Anderson, and I love it. I love the staff. I still like Kalani Uh I think there's a fair question out there of, well, then, where do fans place blame? Like, where do they come in with this? Because, yes, we knew this was a rebuilding year. It clearly was. But two wins... Uh, maybe a lot of people out there weren't hard pressed to find that. I said three wins, but I can't believe we're at a point where Colorado to me, I'm leaning. If I'm betting money, I'm betting on Colorado. Like I'm leaning yeah, way more yeah. Colorado than I am Oregon state. And I got to be honest, as much as I didn't have high, high expectations, I'm a little surprised I'm there mentally.
1: Yeah. But I, I think the the general mood is still, you know, I mean the, the honeymoon period is still there for Gary Anderson. So Yes, fans might be a little disappointed, but they like what they're hearing from him, too. I mean, this is a guy that comes out and says, I'm impatient. Yeah. I want to win. And, you know, maybe that is to a detriment. Maybe they're switching things up too much looking for that perfect combination to win some games.
0: Mm -hmm. But if
1: you're a Beaver fan, the team hasn't lost hope. They're fighting like heck to, you know, to win some games. And the coaching staff is right there. You know, whether it's on the recruiting trail or on the field of play, they're they're doing what they can. You know, they've they've moved Cyril Noland Lewis from, you know, start at safety, he played some nickel. And today, Coach Anderson said we may see him playing a little cornerback um, just to try to get these players in the best position for them to make plays.
0: Yeah. And I think that's what you want. You do want to hear that stuff. It's just um, and it's always tough, I guess, in a rebuilding situation to temper emotion for wins and losses. And again, I didn't think this was much more than a three win team. I just, you know, depth and depletion and new format and new coaching staff. That that stuff takes its toll. But um, you're looking at a at a team that, granted, that Washington State game. I know, I know, and I know you mentioned it, but I didn't really care about the second half performance. I I kind of, when you're Washington State and you're up, what forty five seventeen at the half, and Luke yeah, Foles yeah. throwing six touchdowns in the first half to tie a Cougar record, like. What is they the incentive? Every
1: possession. Washington yeah. State yeah for
0: like you, what, 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 do you play for in the second half? You won the game at the half. Like yeah, yeah. It literally is them killing the clock as much as they can and you giving everything you got. It's like, it's, I don't know. It's like fighting a, an older brother that just has no interest in fighting back. You know what I mean? Just yeah, kind of sitting yeah. down and he can take your punches in the arm and he's just laughing at you. It's like, <laughs> Oh yeah, he gave some good <laughs> hits, but yeah, it was against a guy who wasn't fighting him back. Yeah, And so that's kind of where I fall in line with the Washington State game. It was just, they got absolutely boat raced. And I, I, I wasn't, not that I was shocked, because they hadn't faced a good passing team all year, um, but I, I'm still surprised that it feels like we continue to hear we need to figure it out, and you're still in that position. And I guess that's the tough part, and maybe this is a me problem. of This coaching staff, to me, is really good. um, But... Yeah, maybe it's just it's it's tough for me to understand like where the disconnect is for players because yeah, it, it yeah. does feel like there is clearly something there that linebackers have been called out, defensive lines not played well, uh, secondary's been secondary's lit missed
1: up, tackles. missed yeah, tackles, I mean, tackles. It's it's been across the board. It's not you can't just point to one area on the defense and say, oh, you know, it's the safeties. But
0: score. it's amazing or, to me that with that coach, that can happen.
1: Yeah, it, no, I think that's been the biggest surprise. Is, is I put a lot more stock in what the staff could do getting these players. And then it goes back to that original question of, you know, is the talent level that low now?
0: Mm-hmm. And you, and, tend- you know, I
1: hate to call that out because a lot of these players, I mean, these players are great young men. I've gotten to know them from the time they were in high school, and I know mm-hmm. their families, but, you know, maybe, maybe they don't have, a lot of them don't have what it takes to uh, compete at a high level at Oregon State in the Pac-12.
0: What do you think of them bringing in Gary Crowton?
1: Um, Hey, the more eyes, the merrier. I mean, if he can help, you know, find some things on film or find some tendencies that maybe the coaches are missing because they're too close to the situation, I'm all for it. And, you know, frankly, we've seen now Nick Mitchell getting reps number two at quarterback, which I've wondered all along because, you know, Seth Collins, his strength really is his legs. But his throwing, his passing game is, is not good at all, whereas Nick Mitchell's strength is the passing game. Mm-hmm. And so watching the offense, too, it's been interesting to see how much of that offense are calls that are, I mean, is Seth Collins running, what is being called, or is he just ad-libbing and and doing what he wants to do, thinking he can carry the team on his shoulders? And part of me thinks it's more toward the latter, which is why we're seeing maybe some some move and potentially seeing Nick Mitchell. But we've heard the coaching staff say before that we'll possibly see two quarterbacks, and you know, McMarion hasn't seen a lot of time.
0: So you're not concerned? You don't read anything into the fact that they're bringing in an offensive consultant?
1: You know, not so much because of the history there. I, I, uh, Croton, I believe, is the uncle of McGiven's wife. So, um, you know, there's some some connection there. I It is mysterious why he left Southern Utah. I mean, yeah. he just resigned two weeks ago and stated, you know, family reasons. But I, that that's kind of mysterious. But, you know, I... I I think it's more or less just that he has some time in his hands. Let's take a look, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, is, is coach Baldwin getting called out is coach, you know, what, what is the, what is going on at the Valley center, you know, or is it truly just, Hey, this guy has a wealth of experience, a wealth of knowledge. And he offered up, you know, some time to come, you know, I mean, seriously, Brandon, if Dennis Erickson was no longer with Utah and called up and said, Hey, I'm I'm willing to come out and just hang out and watch, you know, be a consultant for a few weeks. You would jump at that in a heartbeat.
0: But how often does that happen during the season? Like fall camp, spring camp, I understand. I've seen that stuff happen, even with Riley. Yeah,
1: the timing is weird. That's what I said. Him leaving Southern Utah was weird.
0: Yeah, and I I think that's kind of what throws me off. And look, maybe people don't read anything into it at all, but I can't help but wonder. Like, I can't help but wonder, like, in the middle of the year? I mean, I know things aren't going well, but... Suddenly, an like what is that? What are those meetings like? They all breaking down film, and then he just stands up and Dave like, counteracts a Dave Baldwin point.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's it is an interesting dynamic. Although, you know, I don't know if they've worked together. It's yeah. I'd love to be a fly in the wall in a meeting one of these days.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's a very interesting move, and I, I want to see how, what it, what what it means for them. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, what you know does that. Is he there just to, to watch offense? Is he there to watch the quarterbacks? What is you know what is he bringing to the table? And then you know if you're a Beaver fan, is it something that's exciting to you? I mean he was he was the offensive coordinator at Oregon, you know his track record isn't bad, but it's not like he's um, you know Urban Meyer coming in to to, uh, to be a uh, consultant. So you know? mm-hmm. what you know what do you think Beaver fan of um, Gary Croton? Coming in as a, a
0: consultant. Yeah, I'm curious what fans think of that one. Maybe you guys tweet us if you want at uh, at Angie Machado one at Brandon Sprague on Twitter. I'd love to get your guys' thoughts on that one because I just look at that and I wonder if there's a little more to that. And I know he was brought in mainly on McGiven's recommendation, and you know the relationship with Gary Anderson was already there anyway. But uh, there's a lot of struggle going on right now, offensively and defensively. And suddenly, Seth Collins goes from a kid who has the future and bright hope from everybody to. People kind of wondering, like, yes, his athleticism is great. We know he can run, but can, does he have what it takes to develop in the pocket and make the throws when necessary? Because at the end of the day, uh, you got to make throws and you got to move the ball through the air. Otherwise, unless you're one of these juggernaut top five programs in the country, you're not going to win a ton of games. Defenses yeah. will shut you down.
1: And, and there's still the question. You know, it's it's hard because it's not like we have great access anymore. With you know, we get 20 minutes of practice, and you know. I've talked to a lot of my sources and that are close to the program. And y- you ask, you know, how is the whole Seth Collins? You know, there's been a lot of question how well he fits with the team, and and, the, the, and all the players say, oh, we love him, he's he's great. But yeah, you know, there's been some fights, and you know, yes, that happens on every competitive stage. I mean, how many times, Brandon, did we watch James Dockery and, and James Rogers go at it? And um, but yet you you still have to wonder. And like I said, my big question is. How much, you know, is is Seth Collins running the plays that are being called in, or is he ad-libbing a little too liberally? Yeah, for a for a true true freshman.
0: Like he relies too much on his athleticism.
1: Yes, because there's been way too many open receivers.
0: Yeah, it's been a frustrating time for Oregon State fans, that's for sure. It's uh, as they're looking to Colorado right now, and they're I think in Vegas the latest line I saw was two and a half Oregon State favored by, but. Again, you look at all the momentum, it's kind of swinging in Colorado's favor of, you know, I think Oregon State's lost five straight, packed 12 games. Uh, I think Colorado's at 14. 14. It it might be, yeah, it is 14. And so both of these programs need a conference win. They want to snap the streak, get off the schneid. But Colorado, man, they they were close. They almost beat Arizona. Their coach, Mike McIntyre, guaranteed a win. They came just short of that. Uh, They played hard against the Ducks. So it's like, you're talking about a program that's been pretty close the last couple of weeks. And I know they're itching to get into Corvallis and play that game. Uh, do we want to do some damn questions?
1: We can. Let's do some damn questions.
0: Okay. Um, I'll read it because I just brought mine up. I couldn't find okay. them before we started, but I brought them up.
1: You got one for me?
0: Yeah. Um, let's see. I'll save the recruiting one. Here we go. From at Coach Morrow, has Collins done enough to ensure his job after this year? What's the likelihood we see Garretson next season?
1: I. You know, we were just talking about Collins, but- Obviously, there's questions there. So, no, he hasn't, you know, solidified his spot as, as the starter next year. And it'll be very interesting to see, you know, Garretson in the mix and to see where he's at, if that year off has hurt him, and uh, how he can run that offense.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think we've heard too much from Gary Anderson to know this guy does whatever it takes to win, and he doesn't care about feelings and how you feel about making a switch. He will move them. And yeah. If Collins doesn't improve, then yeah, he's probably gonna make a move next year, or he's at least gonna open it up to see what the other kids can do, Garrettson included. Um, there's a reason the kid transferred. I'm sure he talked to the coach and said, Hey, what are the likelihoods? So, well, if these freshmen don't pan out, there's probably a great chance. So you take a risk, you move from a weaker conference to a power five conference in the Pac twelve, and you play hopefully for a guy that you has Utah State connections and that you like. Uh, I think there's a really good shot that there's a new quarterback for the Beavers, and I don't think Collins has done enough to ensure his job whatsoever uh, whatsoever after this year.
1: Yeah, unless he markedly improves over the next five weeks.
0: Okay, uh, another one from at Beave. Uh, let me read this one. My computer screen's all screwed up. Uh, Beave Fanatic with a F-I-N. I couldn't read that one. It wouldn't show up. Uh, He says, is the local PDX media biased towards UO, unequal treatment for the Beavers? Question mark. How can this change? Win games? (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) Flat out. I mean, whether it is or isn't, you know, Brandon, you're in the the Portland media. mm -hmm. Do you think there's bias toward the Ducks?
0: Well, I I mean, I don't know. What what does bias mean to them, though? Like, just the coverage and how much we talk about Oregon? I'm
1: guessing, yeah. But, I mean... When yeah, the ducks games, win
0: football games.
1: Yeah, you win games, and and there's more to talk about, and your listeners want to want readers want to hear about it. See,
0: I, know, I I think people have a hard time comprehending this, but it's like, I, and I know, like you're a diehard fan of your team, you're wrapped up in your own thing, and you know, I had people go at me on Twitter over this past weekend because I made a joke to the Seattle Times because they made this article, 12 Reasons Why It's Better to Live in Washington Than Oregon." And so I joked with them once the Ducks won, hey, 12 reasons why it's better from 04 to 15, see those reasons. And people were like, I thought you were a B fan. What the heck? It's like, dude, first of all, don't place your fandom on my fandom. Like if I'm an Oregon State fan, then just live with that and move on. Like who cares if you're a diehard who doesn't acknowledge anything in Eugene? I've said it on the podcast. I've said it on my radio show. I didn't grow up with any family ties to Oregon State. I went there. I spent money there. I'm an alum there. I love rooting for the Beavers. I do a podcast for no money, Oregon State-centric, and take an hour of my family time to talk about them. But if I want to talk about Oregon, I will. I don't really... I'm not a guy who hates Oregon, and I'll never mention them. Some people are. Some people aren't. Move on. It's not that big of a deal. As for the local media bias, there's not a bias. It's just, guess what? When the Ducks lose... People want to talk about it. That's just and that's what, what it finish.
1: is. Get clicks or listens, it's, or you know, and make it's those what it's the advertisers happy.
0: All I mean. about you want to get mad about it. You want to know why it's not the same. Participate. Participate in stories that are online. Tune into radio or television shows. Like this is a thing. And I'll give you a slight example. When when the Oregon Ducks lost to uh, or or uh, yeah, when they lost to Colorado. On our show, we got over a thousand text messages from different people. We got like twenty-five phone calls. When Oregon State loses a game, guess how many we get? One or two. We get maybe eight. Maybe eight yeah. text messages from people. And guess what? Half of those texts are from the same phone numbers. <laughs> and I'm not saying that te- I'm not saying the texts are indicative of the listens, because they're not. But I do know that the reaction is is night and day different. So to get better coverage, to get more, you know, 50-50, I hear you. But if you want that, you got to win football games. And Oregon, even if you don't want to acknowledge it, Oregon's at least done as much this year. So, if you want media coverage that's that's kind of 50-50, you got to win ball games. The B, the PDX media is not they're not biased at all. They don't look for a biased it's just, it's unequal, and it's unequal because between the two programs, it's been entirely unequal of who's winning ballgames and who hasn't. By the way, that question was from at OSU underscore Beaver for life, not at Beaver Fanatic.
1: And, and you know what? If you want beaver coverage, you go to beaverblitz.com. Boom. All I talk about.
0: There you go. See? And
1: the message board is all beaver fans. You don't have to deal with ducks, huskies, you name it. See,
0: that's, see, that's a great point, Angie. It's like if people that want exclusive Oregon State conversations and i get it like there's people out there go to a place like beaverblitz.com yeah you know what i mean like we do that is a community for oregon state centric listen to the damn podcast where we just talk oregon state stuff like there are avenues out there that you can find just oregon state exclusive and if you're listening to radio thank you for listening to the show by the way if you are uh if you're watching tv and you're wondering like comcast SportsNet. They don't send anybody to practices and games. Like, it's as simple as this. Comcast doesn't cover Oregon State. You can tell. You can see it from the coverage. They have these beaver shows that they play on there. But overall, they really don't cover Oregon State. Because mainly all their clicks come Oregon-centric. Like, it sounds really unfair to some people. But that's what it's about. It's about revenue. It's about who, where the eyeballs are, where the clicks are coming from. And right now, it's on Oregon. So yep. if you want Oregon State-centric, go to beaverblitz.com or listen to the damn podcast.
1: And and like Brandon said, we're doing this podcast for free. The people on Comcast or on the radio are getting paid, so they'll have to be paid somewhere.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Angie's taking time out of her day. Uh, I take time out of my day. We do we do this podcast because people love to listen to it. We get great numbers. We get good feedback, and we love interacting with Oregon State fans. But the media bias in Portland it doesn't exist. It's just it's just like the the two programs. It's like completely one sided right now.
1: Okay, so I got one for you. Um, I might have to answer it, actually. Patrick Burke on Beaver Blitz says, Where in the world is Jalen Grimble? I thought Peco and him would make up a great D-line. Is he hurt, benched, or abducted by aliens?
0: I'd seen I'd seen multiple reports that he was hurt, uh, but he's slowly getting back.
1: Yeah, he's day-to-day right now. And it's so. like a
0: knee injury, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So he is day-to-day and... We may, we may see him at Colorado.
0: It's unfortunate, too, because I was hoping for him to have a strong season this year. But you never want to see a kid go down like that. But, yeah, I'd seen him in uh, uniform the last couple of times. And it's kind of like, why the hell is he not playing? He's clearly on the sidelines just fine.
1: So wow. here's Beave in Washington. says, halfway point through the season, revised win-loss predictions from UN Sprague.
0: Uh, I mean, it doesn't, it changes by one game for me for my preseason. I said three, I think they're going to stay at two. Uh, I know we'll give predictions at the end of the podcast, but spoiler alert right now. I I just think Colorado's playing better football right now. I do. And it's a great opportunity for Oregon state. They're at home. Uh, the fans that are going to show up are going to be fired up. They got screwed by the way, in their home schedule with two Friday games and a seven thirty kick. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I think, I think the fans will be there. will be fired up. I think the kids are gonna be fired up to be home again. But uh, I think Colorado's playing good football and, and Col- what you know, Colorado the boss, is but... in
1: desperation mode right now. I mean this is year three of McIntyre and uh you know, this isn't rebuilding anymore. This is yeah. they should be rebuilt. Yeah,
0: you so. should yeah, you should be building towards something now and they don't have a lot of wins to show for it. So I think Colorado's closer and I think they'll be at two wins at the end of the year.
1: I, I'm right there with you actually. I said six, so see I'm way off eh, That's my okay. initial, but that's we talked about that and I'm Fine to eat crow and I uh, <laughs> brandon lots of beer here at some point during the season
0: that's okay. uh we got one from at Molly Five. Is it Riley's players moving on before the new staff philosophy sinks in, or is there a deeper issue here
1: oh it's like we talked about earlier it's personnel, it's talent um this will get better beaver fans. I I really do have a lot of faith in this staff and what they're going to be able to do both bringing in players, recruiting and uh with their system that they have in place. There's a a steady uh, there's a plan, there's you know everything that you'd want if you were an outsider consultant looking at this as like even a business. We had a, a poster in Beaver Blitz post this, that he is a management consultant and he said Every piece is in place that when he's going around, you know, he'll buy a business and try to put the right pieces to to build it back up. And mm-hmm. he said every single thing, the top 10 things he looks at are all pluses right now with the staff.
0: Yeah. Um, I love what I've seen from the staff. I'm encouraged by comments that they make and, and blunt honesty that we get. I also think this. Don't bring up Riley's name. Uh Riley's struggling in Nebraska. We don't need to talk about that. We know it. We've seen it. But this happens sometimes in college football. If a coach leaves and the and the cupboard is full of talent, the next guy comes in, guess what? They win. Like, look at uh, Brady Hoke at Michigan when Rich Rod left.
1: Or, you know, even Erickson when he came in with, with yeah. Riley's first
0: group of guys. Exactly. You look at those two situations. Erickson wins right away. Uh, Brady Hoke goes 11-2. And it was like, oh, these coaches are fantastic, and I think these coaches are good in their own measure. I think Erickson has great qualities, and you know Brady Hulk was really good at recruiting. But don't just look at the cupboard that's bare now and say, is this Riley's fault? Like, no, it's not Riley's fault. This just happens where classes run out. Angie's Angie's mentioned recruiting and and how much you know struggle they've had. So some of the talents haven't panned out, and guys graduate and move on. That can just happen. If it was full and Anderson came in and they won a lot of games. Would we be saying, oh man, yeah. Gary Anderson's to to give 100% credit and not mention Riley? I think we would. So when things go bad, don't just point to the last guy. There's a little bit of mix here where I think I lean more on the cupboard being a little bare and not as talented, but there's a little part of me that I, I get a little concerned. I get a little concerned hearing, you know, guys aren't listening to us or guys aren't buying into this or that, and like those notions... I'm confident about this staff. I am. But I'm also not going to exempt the staff at all. They get paid um, millions of dollars to figure this stuff out and be competitive. And in a lot of these games, they haven't. So I don't think the cupboard was bare. I don't think it was stocked. But also the coaching staff. Some people thought this team was a 4-5-1 team. And they've been nowhere near that number.
1: No, not not even close. Uh, do you got another one? I do. Um, M. Ciafone on Beaver Blitz says... Have you heard anything how Braden Kearsley or Daryl Garrettson are doing this year?
0: Um, I mean,
1: I've, he- I've heard they've both been, been doing great. So, yeah. um, you know, I've seen Braden at practice, and, and he's right there in the mix. And, and Daryl, I mean, talk about a guy that's kind of doing everything. He's mentoring the young quarterbacks. He's kind of one of the lead recruiters when guys come to town. Mm-hmm. Um, he's doing a lot. So um, both those guys could be big impacts next year.
0: Uh, I got one from at Trevor Fees. Uh, how nuts will the quarterback competition be next fall? What are the chances Garrettson start takes a starting gig? I think we'll focus on that one.
1: Hmm. I right now, if I, I'd say it's pretty high that it's going to be crazy off season, and unless Seth Collins can grow a ton, and that's depending on what we see from Garretson as well. But um, I've just heard too many positives about Gerritsen to write him off. And, and say there's you know not much of a chance. And I and I haven't seen as, as much growth from Collins as we did early in the year.
0: Yeah, I would say at this point it's at 50% that Gerritsen gets the starting gig. And that depends on Mitchell, McMarion, and even Collins' growth over the offseason. But based on what we're seeing, uh, Seth Collins has really struggled, hasn't played really well the last few weeks. Um, and if this continues, not only will they make a switch in the middle of the season, because they will play Nick Mitchell if they feel that Collins gives them no shot to win uh, they'll play whoever they want to or need to at this point. I would say 50% chance that Garrettson could be the starting quarterback. He's got a lot of experience. Uh, he knows this system well. He's a little smaller than I thought he would be in person standing next to him. But overall, the coaches really rave about him. You've heard nothing but great things from him. I think there's a good shot. He could be the quarterback.
1: Yeah, and, and, a, and a good leader, which is what you need from a quarterback as well.
0: Yeah. Do you have another one?
1: Uh, they're all kind of recruiting stuff. So okay, I got one more drive, and some of you guys will get to some of these recruiting ones here in a, shortly.
0: Okay, I got one more from at R. Dameyer. Impressed OS players greater size than smallish WSU players. Do you think teaching up this group will yield results?
1: So what I mean is, he's saying that Oregon State players were smaller.
0: Uh, no, I think he's saying he was impressed with Oregon State's greater size than the smallest Washington State. So I think he's okay. saying, do you think they'll teach him up this group to yield the results better than what happened on Saturday?
1: Well, that's, that's the plan. We haven't quite seen it unfold the past couple of weeks, but I think I, I go back to that Stanford, that first half of the Stanford game. I think that's how good this team could be, but they've got to put it together for an entire four quarters or at least three and a half quarters. And, uh, they have got to stop some people and sustain drives. They looked really, really good that first half of that Sanford game. Yeah, But against Arizona and Washington State, the wheels have completely fallen off. So it's a matter of getting back on track.
0: Yeah, I, again, I, I think this just goes to a, our deeper conversation. I think the coaching staff has what it takes to coach them up. Uh, and although this year can be frustrating for fans, I think next year is going to be kind of very telling for a lot of the guys that don't have that great of experience. Uh, you're going to get a good indication, I think, of where this program can go because a lot of these kids were going to get playing time once again next year and uh, another year under their system, I think it leaves you optimistic.
1: And the, the thing I'm going to be watching, too, is this class is going to be really small, the 2016 recruiting class. I mean, we're, we were talking 12, 13 players. I'm wondering, some of the comments that Gary Anderson has made in the media about you know guys needing to basically do a gut check to see if this is where they want to be, I wonder if we see a little more attrition then, we're used to seeing mm-hmm. and if guys look elsewhere for playing time and that this class isn't bigger when all is said and done in February.
0: Yeah. It may be what Gary Anderson wants at this point.
1: So yeah, that's something we'll be, I'll be watching very all right. closely.
0: Let's do some recruiting stuff before we get to our predictions and Colorado stuff.
1: So recruiting, it's a big, big weekend this weekend uh, in Corvallis. So five official visitors coming in, there'll be other unofficials, but you know, this group is highlighted by a, a trio of players from Chandler High School in Chandler, Arizona, with uh, qu- quarterback commit uh, Mason Moran. He's a three star, great player, great leader. He's also bringing up five star wide receiver and Keel Harry, four star athlete Chase Lucas. And I know we need, de- you know, Oregon State needs defensive players, so a couple defensive ends Bellevue, Washington's. Isaac Garcia is coming into town. He's a three-star, one-time commit to USC, and then a under-the-radar, unranked guy, uh, at least as far as rivals is concerned, by the name of Shamaya Whitson is hmm. coming in as well. So, a couple big defensive ends. You know in that right now they're in the you know six-three, six-four, two-thirty range. Mm-hmm. So, definitely have some room to grow. But um, you'd see what Oregon State wants to do is bring in some of these linebacker, defensive end players that they could put some weight on and have them play in that that position so big weekend for oregon state um a couple questions about you know what are my, my thinking as far as odds on landing a n keel harry or a chase lucas you know these guys are big time players i mean and keel has offers from basically everyone Visited texas a&m last weekend has visited washington but these guys are really excited to visit oregon state this is you know a lot of times they'll be sightseeing trips but And we just spoke to Chase Lucas. He's just excited. He wants to see a college town. Uh, Daryl Gerritsen's dad is actually Chandler's offensive coordinator. So there is some connection there. Um, They all know Daryl Gerritsen, obviously, because his dad's their coach. Um, Obviously, there's some comfort with the offense. Chase is really excited. He's an athlete in the Rivals database. He can play running back. He can play DB. He can play receiver. 5'11", 180-pound you know, athlete, fast. He actually injured himself the very first play of the game against Bishop Gorman this, in the end of August. It was a, a kick return and tweaked his knee. He is coming back tomorrow night in his first game. So um, for him, you know, he was at one time considered a UCLA lock and uh, has kind of kept things open. UCLA has cooled on him some since the injury. And so you know, Mason's just been in their ear constantly, and they're all coming together. So it'll be fun to see, like I said, Chase has told us how excited he was to see a college town and, and to see what to see in person what Mason has told him. You know, he said I, I love the thought of that. Being from Phoenix, you don't have this atmosphere where the entire town just shuts down and comes to your game. So um that could be a a really good get for Oregon State. And when you look at they've had two four stars visit and commit Obvious, obviously, the staff can close, so it'll be a, a fun weekend for Oregon State.
0: What do we know about these kids in terms of, you know, when Brandon Cooks was being recruited, for example, he four star kid, and then UCLA seems to be his destination. He commits there, and then he decommits because it's about football, and he puts himself in the best football situation. Are, like, Is there any of that with any of these kids, like where it's more about— the actual system and game, opposed to when you get a lot of these four or five star kids, they'll get wrapped up in. Oh, it's Alabama, and there's fifty five thousand people on this side of the stadium every day, and there's eighty on that side, and it's a hundred plus thousand people, and it's like, is it is it about football for some of these kids, or is it really hard to to tell at this point?
1: It's hard for Keel. I have not spoken with N'Kiel, um on my own. He, you know, he's talked you know on Twitter to me, um, direct messages and things, but Chase really seems to have an open mind. You know, some of these guys do and, and one of the things he told us was he's excited to hear where Oregon State plans to play him because some have kind of kept it a little more open and said, Oh, we can, you know, see you on defense or we can see you offense. Oregon's you know, Coach McGivin has told him flat out, there's so many areas on our offense you could play, but they see him kind of as a running back but could do the fly sweep. Um, and so he he told us, he's like, I'm really excited to just get with the team, get with the coaches and see how they would utilize me Mm -hmm. and so for him it is football it's a it's a big football decision and and you know with Mason there Mason's solid and is super excited to bring this guy you know he here's their quarterback and you know they they talk about how fun it would be to play together at the next level here's their chance to see it
0: if they got a Lucas and a Harris I mean compare that with the best staff or with the best class Riley ever had like where does that compare
1: well, they already have two four-stars. I, I think the best class Riley had maybe, I think, had three four-stars. And so um, and that might have been, was it Caleb Smith and um, Isaac Samalo? Um, I know we had a three four-star year one year, and I, I'm not quite sure which exact year that was. Mm-hmm. Two on board already. Oregon State has only ever received one five-star commit, and that young man never made it to Oregon State. Semi Cooley. <laughs> um, so. You know, just to have a five-star visitor is huge. Four stars have visited, um, you know, in the past, but um, it does. It takes a, a kid that really gets it, who understands the college atmosphere. And the staff is doing a really good job selling that college atmosphere, and these kids love it. They yeah. love everything about it. So, um, you know, just to get an and keel Harry on, sta- on, on campus. Or, you know, even Isaac Garcia, defensive end is a, is a big position of need for Oregon State for next year. And to get, you know, he's a, a 5.7 rated three-star, which is right below a four-star. Committed to USC originally, so um, a big-time player in his own right. Bellevue is one of the top programs yep. in the West Coast. Teammate is already committed in Tyson Penn. So, again, he familiar face, you know, on on, on would be on campus with him. But, you know, watching all their film, even the Shamaya Whit, uh, Whitson, just long, fast, aggressive football players, which I think Oregon State fans would really be excited to, to see.
0: You know, it's a really exciting time, even if, you know, even if Oregon State's looking at potentially only a two-win season, I think it's exciting the fact that these guys are coming in this weekend.
1: Yeah. And, and this is, you know, you, it's actually a great opportunity for the coaches. People have asked that, you know, I think that was actually one of our, our questions, damn question. And if it's not, or if it was, I, I'm not going to say a shout out here, but, Um, You know, how bad, you know, a two-win season, let's say, you know, how does that hurt recruiting? And really it doesn't. It it gives the staff a chance to really sell all positions are open and come in and earn a spot and uh, early playing time. And to some of these kids, that is what they want. They Mm -hmm. want a shot to come in and play immediately, which at some of these schools, let's face it, you're not going to do.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you see it all the time. Um, All right. Is there any other nuggets from uh, recruiting we want to get to?
1: Well, that's those are the those are the best right there.
0: No, I mean that was damn good information. I just didn't know. If damn you're,
1: good information.
0: <laughs> didn't know well, yet. I will
1: have a on this is Thursday afternoon. We'll have the podcast out, but uh, tomorrow morning, first thing, whenever you get up and grab your coffee, we will have breakdowns of all the visitors on Beaver Blitz. And boom. I've made it an open article. You don't have to be a subscriber to check it out. But um, highlight film everything in one one wow. spot for you.
0: There you go. There's a reason that if you're not a member of BeaverBlitz.com. You see that content and you find out how good information Angie gives you, there's a reason to join. Good conversations over at BeaverBlitz.com. Okay, Oregon State takes on Colorado. The Buffs have not won for 14 games now against the Pac-12.
1: And they've never had a 15, in conference, 15-game losing streak.
0: Really? Never.
1: Never. In in whatever conference they've been in. Okay,
0: and they're coming from the Big 12. Okay. Wait, Big 12, right? Not the Big Ten, yeah, uh, the Big
1: Twelve, 12
0: yeah, yeah. I just the conference is so diluted at this point. Um, I,
1: I I get confused daily.
0: I know it's it's ridiculous. Okay, what? How are we feeling about this game?
1: You know, I, I I guess I'm tainted from the past two losses. Does Oregon State, in my opinion, have the ability to win? Yes, but I think Colorado's just hungry. I think they're desperate. So it'll be interesting to see how they come out. They're, they also have some injuries, but I my prediction I actually had Colorado winning by three. So,
0: so the you know, idea twenty
1: seven twenty four was what I uh, went with
0: twenty seven twenty four. Yeah. Okay. Now this game, there's a couple things of Oregon State that I, I want to see from them. When they played Arizona, I was the idiot that said they would win, and it was a ten and a half point spread. A new Solomon came back, and I said, Yo oh, yeah, they could win." I'm a moron. I am, admittedly.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I picked six but, wins this season, so I'm a moron too.
0: So equally, we're we're really dumb. Yeah. But there, I was disappointed with that game because Arizona going in was 11th in total defense in the conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, an area that they could have exploited that I felt like they didn't was the rush defense. And Arizona's rush defense isn't great. And it just felt like they just kept trying to throw the ball and throw the ball and throw the ball. And even if you get down, you cannot completely abandon the run. And so Colorado, I'm looking at total defenses in the conference right now. Care to guess who's 11th in rush defense in the conference?
1: I'm going to go with Colorado.
0: Ding, ding, ding. You would be correct. (laughs) It's Colorado. Look, you are right on that. And I have no idea what that means going forward. But I want to see Oregon State run and commit to the run.
1: Let's see some Ryan Nall. Central Catholic. Ram, just pound it, and then throw in a little Chris Brown to mix things up. It would be great
0: to see them stick with the run and commit to everything and get a ground game going because I think that's actually going to help Seth Collins. But we didn't see it against Arizona. I don't know if we're going to see it against Colorado. Uh, I believe the opportunity is there. But Colorado comes in with that Seafood Layout guy. I don't even have, I don't know how to say his name. And
1: Did you call him Seafood Layout?
0: Seafood Layout. Leo. Leifu. <laughs> Leafu.
1: Sefu Leafow. What?
0: Sefo Leafow. Sefu leafau. Leaf, leafow. leafow. sefu Leafow. There you
1: go. Close
0: enough. He's from Tacoma. I, anyways, yeah. I, people screw my name all the time. It's really not that big of a deal. They come in with that kid, and I don't think he's great, but I think he's been. He sucked for so long. They've sucked for so long. He's an upperclassman. I think he's tired of losing. And I think this is an opportunity for them. And so, for that reason, I think Oregon State's been too inconsistent offensively. I think there's real problems in the defense that Kalani Satake and Gary Anderson have noticed and talked about the last couple of weeks. And I'm not sure it's going to get corrected. And by the way, they just got lit up through the air by Washington State. Colorado has decent receivers as well, particularly in Nelson Spruce. So, Thomas I look at Colorado
1: has been quieter this year. What? I think I said his his numbers aren't quite as good. He's no, he's been a little quieted this year. Yes,
0: well, I mean that can I happen. Guess that's when,
1: what happens when you, d- you double teamed.
0: Exactly, and I think for that reason, I'm not sure Oregon State can take advantage defensively because we haven't seen it. And I know Colorado's not world beaters here, but I'm going to pick Colorado as well, and I'm actually going to pick them 33
1: to 23.
0: Okay, 10 point. Yeah, and I think yeah, they make I, it I think 10 this million.
1: is. And then Oregon State fans will think the sky is completely falling, and they just lost to you know. But I, I liken this team to Cal a few years ago, and that was ironically that was Cal or that was Stan or Colorado's Pac-12 the last time they beat a Pac-12 team. Oh, and
0: Cal was three and nine in Sonny Dykes' first yes. year.
1: So that was three years ago, and uh, I see Oregon State in that same realm as, as Cal.
0: But do you feel as confident as Cal maybe did because they don't have a Jared Goff?
1: Oh no, I, I I see us. I see Oregon State as Cal three years ago. Oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. Guy is better. three years.
0: Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so you I got. Think I
1: need more coffee today.
0: <laughs> you got Colorado winning. I got Colorado winning. Curious what people out there have. Uh, I'm really pulling for Oregon State. Um,
1: tweet us. Tweet us uh, at Angie Machado one yes. and at Brandon Sprague damn listeners and uh give us your prediction as well.
0: Let's get some predictions from you guys out there um as well. It's a 7:30 kick brutal start for the home season for Oregon State fan. Uh two Friday kicks and a 7:30 kick. Yeah. Not fun. Where would you set the over under number at for attendance?
1: For attendance? I'm going to say 34.
0: You set the number at 34?
1: 34, yes.
0: Over under 34,000 people.
1: But I'd go with the under on that.
0: I'd set it at 29.
1: Really? That low?
0: It's 730. It's Colorado. You have two wins. You get blown out your last two games. Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily a call to Oregon State fan, but, I mean, that's a garbage game.
1: It is a garbage game, but it has big implications. I mean, 9,000 will be students, more than likely. I haven't heard a number, but the students will show up. It's homecoming.
0: yeah. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully for the best. Uh, by the way, kudos to Michael Conforto. Yes. New York Mets. How cool Mets. Is
1: that? One of only three players to uh, play in the Little League World Series, the College World Series, and now the Real World Series.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. He, uh, Gives he me had, a
1: reason to watch the World Series.
0: He had the greatest strikeout in uh, baseball history. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Oh, uh, well, he, he struck out against the Cubs, but on a pass ball, so he got to first before they threw him out, and a run scored. There was two outs in the inning. So if he would have struck out and the ball, didn't go past. Big he Easter for the Cubs. Been out. You think they are going to win it? Mets? Yeah.
1: Go for it. Yes. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. I
0: know. I, it doesn't sound like you watch baseball.
1: I, I don't. But I used to love the Mets. That was, that was my team one year. I was picked a team in the World Series. So, but this is so long ago. I, I rooted for the Mets when, like, Lenny Dykstra was on their team. Yeah, it's a long time ago.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the Mets have too much pitching, so I think they're going to win the World Series. I think Michael Conforto is going to get a ring. Nice. Pretty crazy. All right, uh, there we go. There's everything from the damn podcast this week. Uh, if, if you want to get a, get at us on Twitter, you can, at Brandon Sprague, at Angie Machado1. And uh, thank you guys for listening. All the damn questions we got this week. Angie, we were a little fired up this week, and uh, let's hope for a good game on Saturday.
1: I right, let's, let's have something good to talk about next week.
0: <laughs> Fingers are crossed. Fingers are crossed. Here we go. You guys enjoy okay, to you later. The, you guys enjoy the game and uh, we'll talk next week on the damn podcast.